Hello, fellow Redbirds. Welcome to Bird Fans Forever, podcast number 40. Please follow us on at Bird Fans Forever Twitter account to be notified of our latest podcast videos and participate in our fun polls. Also, go visit our website, www.birdfansforever.com, where you can find a list of our previous podcasts. If you haven't already done so, go visit Bird Fans Forever on YouTube and dunk on that subscribe button. YouTube has our archive of classic Redbird games we've accumulated thanks to so many Redbird fans who've been kind enough to share their video libraries with us. We're still adding to our list of online games, and fans can go there and find an old game to watch. Our guest today was Illinois State University assistant coach under Bob Bender from 1989 to 1994, coaching John for John's senior year. He also played at Duke and was captain of their 1988 Final Four team and was named NABC National Defensive Player of the Year. He served as assistant coach for the Indiana Pacers under Larry Brown. He was general manager of the 76ers from 1998 to 2007. He was, he was also general manager of the New Jersey Nets from 2010 to 2016. We'll be right back with Billy King. And welcome to Bird Fans Forever, episode 40, with my assistant coach, Billy King. Hey, coach, how you doing? I'm doing good, John. How are you? I'm doing good. This is awesome. I love it when my coaches are on. I get to learn some stuff about how bad of a player I was and that kind of things. Normally, what we do, Coach, is we start with how'd you get the ISU? But because of how you got to Duke really kind of leads into how you got to ISU. We're going to be talking a lot about Duke here in this first segment. So, how did you get to Duke? Well, I started with Coach K. Uh, he actually was Mike Krzyzewski at that time before Coach K because he <laughs> hadn't won a few games. But he started recruiting me early, uh, I guess my sophomore year, early my sophomore year. And then Bob Bender joined the staff later, and he started the, the process of the recruiting, coming to home, you know, came into the home visit, uh, came to see me play. Um, and you know, when I went on my visit, uh, he was there. And, 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 you know, Tommy Amaker, who played at Duke, he and I played together AAU, from the time we were 12, 16, wow. so we've known each other for a long time. He went the year before I went. Um, so that was sort of a pull. Once Tommy went, it was like, yeah, I want to follow Tommy, and then I like Coach Cave and Coach Bender. So it became that sort of um, trifecta, I, I would say. That is awesome. Well, we talked off air, so why don't we talk about something I just figured out, and I was talking to Sonny and Gerard and Randy last night, is tell us the la three teams you lost to your sophomore, junior, and senior year because this is just <laughs> absolutely mind blowing, right? Yeah. Well, sophomore year we were we went into the championship game thirty seven and two, and um, and we're playing Louisville, we're heavily favored, and we lose to Louisville, Purvis Ellison, and who ended up you know they won the championship. We lost in the yeah. championship game by three. And to this day, I've not watched that game ever. Really? To, to this day, and I don't think I ever will watch it again. Um, you actually, Coach, let me interrupt for a second. You played well. I have the footage. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you we, played well. Me, or, me personally? or You team? did. You personally played well. Yeah. Well, your your team played sure, well, too. But, I yeah. just made sure I stayed out of the way. You know, we had Johnny <laughs> Dawkins and you, know, you just, I, I knew my role. My role was to play defense, get them the ball, and hustle and play hard. And so I, I was a lot like you, John, but, you know, I, I was a little bit more coachable than you, but I was a lot like <laughs> you. <laughs> And then my uh, junior year, we play, we make, you know, because we lose all those seniors, Johnny Dawkins, Jay Billis, Mark Allery. And so we get, we're able to get back to the Sweet 16 in Cincinnati, and we're playing Indiana. So it's the first time Coach K is playing, and his mentor, Bobby Knight, 
in the NCAA tournament. It's a, you know, it's a big deal. And they have Steve Alford. Uh, we ended up losing that game, uh, and they went on to win the national championship that year. Um, then the, my senior year, we had beaten Kansas during the regular season, uh, out in Kansas in overtime. And we had won the regular se- – well, actually, we ended up winning the ACC tournament, uh, beat Carolina three times. Got to get that. We beat Carolina wow. three times. <laughs> you know, beat them over there, beat them at home my senior game, and then beat them in the tournament the week later. And then we make a run, beat Temple in the regional finals. They were in the one seed. And um, we get there, and, you know, we end up playing Kansas again in, in Kansas City. So it really wasn't a, whole, a neutral site. <laughs> um, but they, they played well. Danny Manning had those guys playing well, and we lose to them. So they were the champions. So my last three years of college basketball tournament, we lose to the eventual champions. So yeah. I guess it took the champions to beat us each, each time. <laughs> yeah. And we saw that, I was like, holy cow. So other cool things. Coach, you played in 35 of your 39 possible games. It looks like your junior year, did you get hurt for four games and sit out? Yeah, I broke my – we were playing at Notre Dame, and I broke my wrist uh, the first probably three minutes of the game. I fell. um, I broke it. I knew I broke it. So at halftime, I told Quinn Steiner, I said, I "I "I think I broke my wrist. He goes, don't tell anybody. I said, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I took two Motrin, played the rest of the game, and over time we ended up losing. And the trainer said the next day, if it hurts, you know, go get an x-ray in the morning student center. So I couldn't close my car door. So I thought, in my mind, I still didn't think it was really broken. So yeah, right. But I wanted to get x-rays so they let me practice and keep playing. So I went and got x-rays. And I remember the doctors, the residents came in, the orthopedic, and he says, you broke your wrist. I said, no, bring the real doctor. You guys are just residents. <laughs> bring, in the, bring in the real doctor. Uh, and Dr. Frank Bass comes in. He goes, well, you, you broke it. You broke the navicular. And he goes, he goes, well, we got the tournament coming up in two weeks. So he says, we'll put a cast on and then maybe then take it off and tape it up so you can play in the tournament and then recast it when you're not playing. Uh, so we went and told Coach K. He didn't realize, he didn't even know I got hurt. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he was shocked. So I missed the final four games of the season. But the next day after I got put the cast on, they realized that they could put a screw in there. Dr. Urbanic, who was the, one of the best hand surgeons in the world, says, if we put a screw in there, he could be back playing in two weeks without a cast or anything. So they called me. I went over to their hospital. They put a screw in. Wow. I missed four games, and I was back playing in the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament. Wow. Yeah. Wow, Coach, that is crazy. So, Which, which I realize now usually should be still six to eight weeks. shouldn't be two yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> I broke my foot for you guys got to us on the jump ball against Indiana against Jadlow. And I don't tell anybody for four games. I just keep icing it, yeah. and it's broken. And so, because you as a player, you, you kind of know. And yeah. so, yeah. But you, and you want to play, so you figure if I, yeah. if I don't say anything, I'll just keep put, I'll just keep yeah. putting me out there. Yeah, yeah. And the clock doesn't stop ticking as an NCAA athlete, right? It's yeah. over no matter what on this yeah. time and this date. And so, I'd already registered and didn't want to miss that. So, that is awesome. All right, coach. So I do like to tease. Coach's numbers are a whole lot better than mine, but I did beat him in free throws. <laughs> Even though I wasn't coachable. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, John, I mean, you, you you were talking about the numbers off air. I mean, if you couldn't beat me, there's a lot of people out there could beat me. <laughs> that's the one area. That's the one area I, I was not good at was free throw shooting. Yeah, but I could guard you. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, you could guard it. You defensive national <laughs> defensive player of the year in 88 your senior year so right. oh my god yeah and i remember in practice that was your you were on us like 
anytime we would get out of position, get out of stance, you were always on us about more than any other coach. And so we knew that one because we had we knew that one. So, all right. So you're at Duke. How was it like to play for Coach Bender? You know, he was very good because he, he knew me, especially knew me as a person. So if I wasn't like when I broke my wrist, um, you know, Coach K had one assistant coach who sat sort of in the middle of the bench, almost like probably Coach Donawal did. It was a Bobby Knight thing. Yes. And so that was Coach Bender. So the, for those four games that I wasn't playing that two weeks, I sat next to him, he, you know, and I he knew like I was wasn't into the game. So he would always come on, Billy, get into the game, get talking. Um, he was like a motivational guy. He was always pushing you, um, and not in a way of yelling, but he was more guiding you, like yeah. pushing you beyond and giving you the confidence. I remember him talking about me saying that I could be the next T.R. Dunn, who played in the league, was a defensive wow. guy. Um, he, he talked about that nonstop, that that, was, that could be my role at the next level. Um, you know, and looking back on it, I got to meet T.R. Dunn and got to know him pretty well, and, and I told him the story. And unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't play in the league as long as T.R. did. But, yeah. uh, but, but that was what Coach Bender used as a motivation for me. So you get done with Duke, and you end up – so what happened next? I mean, I think you went to the league – Right then, how no, no, I, I, tr I tried out. Charlotte was the expansion. That was the first year Charlotte expansion okay. team. So, you know, they invited me down, went to their tryout, and um, you know, didn't make it. Um, I remember that in the summer they when they cut me, the assistant coach came in and cut me, and then the GM came back and asked me to come back and audition for the radio job. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back down, you know, three days later and auditioned for the radio job and came in second for that. But I thought that'd been pretty cool. But I got that. That would have been very cool. Yeah. yeah. And then I tried out for the Sacramento Kings um, later that summer, and they had me playing power forward. And I was, you know, I was six six, like, you know, two hundred and fifteen pounds. I wasn't a power forward material, but right, right. And they thought I was going. All the veterans said you're going to come back to veteran camp because they, you know, they got. You, put you in your natural position. And I remember getting a call from the GM at the time who was um, Bill Russell. And, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and he called and he said, look, we've got two guys that are with guaranteed contracts that we don't like, but we can't cut them. So, you know, it's not going to be a spot for you. So, and that's when I talked to my agent, uh, Larry Fleischer, the late Larry Fleischer and Danny Ferry's dad, Bob Ferry was a GM. And they both said, separately said look you've got more going for you You got a duke degree why are right. you going to delay your career get a career started rather than keep chasing this dream and and they were right because i ended up going had a job offer from abc sports to become a production assistant and work for them and live in new york or work for a local tv station in raleigh and i chose to work locally and, and you know so i shot and edited for the six o'clock and eleven o'clock sports department and then on weekends, I was an uh, announcer for the Ohio Valley Conference for their midnight games on ESPN. So, and then I was fortunate that same year in the NCAA tournament, I was uh, I got to announce the first round in um, with Ron Franklin in Dallas, Texas. Really? Yeah. Very so, cool. So I, 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 I think about it, and it'll tie into Illinois State, that I yeah. played in the NCAA tournament. The next year, I, I televised, I was an announcer in the NCAA tournament. And then next year, I was assistant coach in the NCAA tournament. Coach in the tournament. Three years in a row. Wow. Wow. But yeah, so that was, um, so I, and I remember Coach Bender always said if he got a job, he'd want me to work for him. And so Duke played in the Final Four the next year in Seattle. 
Um, I wasn't sure if he's going to get a job, so I quit the TV station. Figured I'll figure it out next. And then I went to Final Four. Coach Bender got the job, and I said, and he came. I remember he came back, and I said, "All right, I'm ready." He goes, "Well, come visit." I go, "No, I'll, I'll take it. I don't, you know, I didn't, I didn't know where Illinois State was. I'm <laughs> <laughs> all in." So, uh, but I flew out and visited, and had a great meeting with Ron Wellman, and you know, I was, you know, I was 23 years old. I was excited to, to, to let's go recruit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, and I was 23 years old, right? I mean, I'll turn 23 and I'll turn 22. Sorry, in June, so I'm just a year younger than you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think you realized that until later in the year. We didn't figure that out until the and, and we just we were talking about this off air. So all the coaches come in and we're getting ready to go home for the summer and do our, our workouts. So I'm still in a boot and cast, right? I've had my second foot surgery. I'll have my third one in August so that I'm ready to even come back and try to play my senior year. Um, because I've broken three of those bones so horribly. Um, and um, Coach and I were just talking about this. So under Coach Donawal, you were not allowed to go to the bars at all. No. Off limits, not happening. So we're sitting in the team in the in the new lead locker room, right? And you guys all come walking in. And here's a couple of team rules, right? Because we had covered our stuff to work on for the summer, and everybody was given a packet and the things they had to work on. And then you guys came in with the rule of if you're over 21 and you're in the bar, and as you're walking into the bar, if the coaches are there, you have to leave, correct? Yes. Yes. <laughs> And, but if we're in the bar and you come walking in, you're going to leave. So I'm getting hit by Gerard and Sonny and Ricky. And they're like, no, no, this is a trap. It's a trap, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we were just laughing about that. Yeah, and it wasn't. It was, the, the, you know, because the one thing I think that we learned from Coach K and I think we, is that we wanted you guys to be college students. We didn't want right. to take that away from you. And Coach K always had a saying is, you know, he didn't have a lot of rules. He had a lot of standards, but he had a lot of rules because he says people have a lot of rules are people that don't want to make decisions. And the way we looked at it is the more you do good, you put chips in the bank, good things in the bank. And right. if you have a, a mistake, you've got, you, you know, and then you can draw on those good things you've done. And if you have a rule that you can't do this, can't do that, then you're treating everybody equally. You're not treating everybody fairly. Okay, coach. So... You're now at Illinois State. <laughs> Fall comes in. You got five seniors, a whole bunch of underclassmen. Richard Thomas is a freshman. First time coaching. Walk us through. How does that look? Uh, you know, it was it was getting out of my mind as a being a player because uh, it's been two years. So it was getting into coaching, and I'm thinking about everything that we did at Duke. So when Coach Bender's talking the drills, you know contesting two man contesting wide and I'm thinking all the emphasis that coach K made so that's what I'm you know everything he was yelling at me now I get to yell at you guys <laughs> coach. Um, and you know and, and being the youngest on the staff I was the I felt I was the one needed to make sure I had the energy every day um, and the excitement um, but it was a learning for me as well Ron Wellman gave me the biggest the best advice um, when I first got the job I uh, met with him and he says being at the level you were at Duke, you've got to realize some of these players may not have that same uh, work ethic and things that you did. Oh. 
We had the worth ethic. Yeah, not skill set. And he said, not the talent. <laughs> yeah, and he said, as a coach, you've got to be able to then understand that and can't be frustrated with them. You still got to coach them. He says, if you can do that, you'll be a good coach. He says, if you sit there and go, well, they can't do it, I'm give up on them, then right. you're not going to be a coach. And that's probably the best advice to make me realize these guys aren't going to be like the same as your teammates or you were at Duke. They're still talented players, but you've got to be able to adjust your, your, your mindset. And right. that helped me along the way. All right, so I've had all the rest of the coaches talk about the fight in the locker room. You come from a legendary program. You <laughs> we kind of talked off air that you guys didn't really have a fight. What's that get you thinking? Well, but you know, I – I had played on AAU teams that had fights with some, some really talented <laughs> players that gone on to play at the collegiate level. And I looked at it as if the fight is about something that's good because you want to win, then it's a good thing. Because, you know, families, you, you know, you're going to have squabbles and disagreements. And, Amen. you know, and if, you know, if your brother's – if you're your brother, you, you fought before <laughs> because, you know, it could be over a toy. Um, and so to me – it wasn't from a standpoint of a malicious, like somebody you're being selfish. You know, right, it was more right. like it was a challenging thing. And I think it, I think it's what the group needed at that point in time. 100% um, agree. But, you know, being honest, I'd never seen it uh, being <laughs> at Duke. I'd seen it in the AAU environment, but I'd never seen it coming to Duke because I think we were too afraid to get yelled at by Coach K. <laughs> but I thought that was the moment that really brought us all together yeah. to realize either we're going to fold or we're going to come together as a group, which I think we did. Yeah, we did. We did. All right. So you talked off air. You play in the the tournament. You announce the tournament the next year. Yeah. Now you're getting to go against Michigan, the defending national champions, our senior year. So talk about now all of a sudden coaching in the tournament. You know, it was one. It was, we're going to Long Beach. And being at Duke, I was spoiled because we never traveled far. To go to the tournament. I mean, yeah. My, Hello, you're Duke. You're my, number my one first year, I think we went to Texas for the first round. My sophomore year, first round was in Greensboro, so it was an hour drive. <laughs> the, the regionals were at East Rutherford, so it was a short hour flight. And then my sophomore year, the furthest we went was I think Cincinnati. <laughs> then my senior year, it was the first round was in Chapel Hill, so I stayed in my own apartment. And then the next round was the East Rutherford. So I, so then when they said we're going to Long Beach, I said, oh, this is great. Never never traveled much. Um, but, you know, the, and playing Michigan, I, I, I believe we could win uh, because I think we, as a group, you guys were so mature and such – and you, you had this air of confidence about you that – you know, it didn't matter who you're playing, like you know, because we had played great teams that year. So you guys, like, right. okay, it's Michigan, but we can beat them. And going in the game, we uh, and I, to this day, I think about this all the time, John. We were up three, and they have the ball at timeout. I think it's like 40 seconds, maybe 30 seconds, something like that left. And as coaches, we tried to decide: do we go zone? Because we had been playing man, right. but they were bigger. We thought: do we go zone to come out different and maybe? Because they didn't have that many shooters, we yeah. match up the shooters, and sure enough, they worked it and worked it, and they ended up in a three and right. um, tied it up. And then I think they went on to win the game. But I think about that. So we should have went man, but then they could have went inside. But that's yeah. the thing as a coach. You sit there. I remember we all debated it back and forth. But I, I think about that because I think if, if we'd have won that game, I thought we could have won the next one. Uh, I think it would have been maybe Loyola Marymount. Well, yeah, with Hank Gathers. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. 
But mm-hmm. I believe we could have won that next one as well. Yeah, if we could have got by Michigan, I, th- I thought we had a chance to get to the Sweet 16. That team was that good. No, I love that you say that. But, uh, man, that would have been a tough one because they were scoring like 190 points a game. Yeah, right? yeah I mean, but we just slowed them down. We, 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 we didn't control the tempo. <laughs> Unlike Michigan, who played against them, because I had a chance to talk to Fisher two weeks ago, and uh, Fisher tried to run with them, and yeah. that is the worst NCAA loss in the history of the NCAA. They lost 178 to 78. They lost by 100 points, yeah. right? Yeah, and then you couldn't run because they, they were so well-conditioned to be honest with you, I after you guys had graduated, you know, because I don't know if you could have done it, but I studied their uh, conditioning program, Loyola Marymount, and uh, in preseason conditioning, and so we implemented that. It was like a lot of really? six a.m. Uh, sprints. We had them on the track doing, yeah, doing the sprint work that they did uh, preseason. Wow. Well, now we did a lot of running. I didn't because I was still coming off that broken foot, and I wasn't allowed to run until October first. So all the preseason sprint work. You know, I, I didn't get to, wasn't allowed to do. I was getting sent to the pool with Ruben and got to swim lots of laps. And so it's the best we could do. So, but yeah, yeah. that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Matter of fact, we would do Monday, Wednesday at like three o'clock, four, like four o'clock. And then Fridays we do 6 a.m. Because that way, if people <laughs> wanted to go home for the weekend, right, preseason, right. they could leave and have to stay around. So they, they weren't yeah. happy with me at 6 a.m. being a day. <laughs> On a Friday. On a Friday. Preseason. You're killing their Thursday night happy hours. Yeah, but I made sure they had good Friday nights, though. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you get done with that season. Go into the next one. The next season, you know, you guys, we lose all the seniors. So now it's, we're bringing in the the, the Vandergars. It's a really young, young class. William Um, Hammer. Wim Hamer, Chuck, Chuck Barnes, and Scott um, Taylor, Scott Taylor from from the and when they were all over. We, I mean, Mike was from Minnesota. Scott was from Boston. Uh, Chuck was from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Todd was from Quincy. Yeah. And and we started the year. We just were getting beat. We couldn't win a game and couldn't win a game. And um, and I remember as a staff one time we they we had lost a bunch of games and. We were frustrated. We we're up after game talking. We we're thinking they're spoiled fat cats. So we we're gonna, we we're gonna teach them lessons. So we go down and take everything out of the locker, take all their <laughs> shoes, all their gear, and we put it in this, you know, bin. And we take, you know, we tell them they 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 don't deserve the right to practice in Redbird Arena. So we go over to the, um, over the too. Horton Field House and make them practice. Yeah. And we go buy Fritter Loom t-shirts and get the old great gym shorts they got to wear and they had to write their number on their, put a marker on their shirts. And the coaches, we had V-neck t-shirts because we want, you know, we figured we had, but we wore the, the shorts as well. Uh, we wouldn't let the janitors clean the locker room. They had to do that afterwards. They had to do their own laundry. They, wow. And they couldn't leave until it was all done. So after practice, they, they had to, you know, wash their stuff, make sure it was in, clean the locker room themselves. You know, we did that for three days, and and then our next game is at Southwest Missouri State, and we get the win. Yeah. And, um, and we were thinking, what do we do now? If we don't get that win, what are we going to do? But but I think it was just trying to co- teach them about and bring them together as, as a team because as coaches sometimes you want to make it so hard so that they dislike you 
and they bond with each other more and right. they rally around. And I think that's what that group did. And it, and it laid a foundation for the younger players of what it was going to take. Um, and, you know, we still had Scott Fowler. I think Scott was coming. I think Scott got he hurt. He had blown his ACL yeah. before you went to Dayton. Yeah. Minutes before you guys were yeah. lock, locking up practice. Yeah. Yeah, that was for the, right before the season started. So yeah. so it was they, they didn't have that. A lot of the leadership, senior leadership that they needed. I mean, um, so, but, but it, I think it was a good foundation building block for them. All right. You get through that season and you come back and now you guys are going to win back-to-back championships. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of it was, was laid that year that we, you know, when they were young as freshmen, because they'd, you know, they had gotten great minutes, but they knew the work ethic that it'd take, um, I think that's when I put it, implemented the Loyola Marymount conditioning, uh, preseason <laughs> conditioning, um, that off season. But I think the foundation was laid when they were freshmen, um, and they knew what it was going to take. And they got their, they got their, they got to play a lot their freshman year. But um, but it was nice to to me coaching and playing in Redbird Arena to me was a great place because. You had the fans; they were there. You had great crowds every night, every every game. Uh, it was it was a a unique atmosphere. I think if you put what we were able to accomplish there in our four years there, starting with you guys, in today's era, we would have got a lot more. You know, ESPN social right. media would have talked about what we were able to accomplish there because it was it was in that league. You think about it. You know, staying all back was at Bradley. You know. Um, uh, Creighton had um, um, can't think of his name. Just one of Tony Baroni. Tony Baroni, yep. Tony Baroni was there. I mean, they were, you know, Asher from Maya ended up playing in the league. I mean, there were some, there were some good teams. And Ellie Tubby yeah. Smith ended up coming when I was there. He was at Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wichita State was just starting to build their program back from where when it was in the heyday. So um, I really enjoyed, you know, and and every game when you had big games on Saturday, you know. You knew like, Saturday night the crowd was going to be there, and it was going to be. And the, the, your your senior year to host a tournament there, yeah, I never heard that place louder. It was yeah. it was incredible feeling to win it there, and have that crowd the way it was. It was awesome. Perfect time to stop. Yep. All right, coach. So we're going to switch shift gears here. You were a GM for the Nets and the Seventy Sixers, and. Remember, I'm dyslexic, so if there's times I get things backwards, it's not <laughs> – I know I followed your career. Um, but what I really wanted to talk about was do a comparison to being a GM and getting a guy signed versus what coaches are having to do with the transfer portal and NILs today. Well, you know, in the NBA, you either can dra- once you draft them, you have their rights, and you're going to have them at the minimum four years. Uh, when you, you're recruiting free agent, it's almost like recruiting in the college world. But once you sign to a contract, whether it's one, two, three, you know you've got them right. and know that you decide to trade them. In college now, it's you don't know how long. you Even if they commit to you from high school, that's only really one year maybe they could leave halfway through the year if they decide right, they want right. to enter the portal. And then you've got kids, you know, so now the players are, it's only a one year, so you're building the team for that season, trying to figure them out as people get them to gel. And you know that team is probably not going to be intact the next year. Um, and that's the thing, it just, it just, 
it's not good for – I think it's not good for the kids because coaches now aren't allowed to coach them because for fear they may leave. Yeah, so they don't yeah. say the hard, tough conversation, challenge them, push them beyond their limits because if you do, they go, I don't want to take that. I'm going to go someplace. I don't want somebody pushing me. Right. You know, right. So they never get pushed out of their comfort limits anymore. Um, and so they're, so they're just going along the way, I guess, the path of least resistance. Yeah, and we had we were talking off air, um, but coach, look at somebody like me, right? Who is a role player, good at what I do, but not going to get the points and all that kind of stuff. But you need those type of players to play. Now these even these role players want to go be stars somewhere. They don't want to stick around and do their time. And talk about the educational piece, right? You have a degree from Duke. I have a degree from Illinois State. Those degrees are worth as much or more than evident because a lot of these guys even if they go play overseas they're not gonna make that much or they're yeah. gonna do it for a couple of years well and, and the, when you start transferring schools and you know trying to get those credits to transfer in hope you work towards a degree most likely it's not the you know so so i wish that they're going to give them all this the nil money and all this stuff just get rid of the student athlete just call them <laughs> athletes um but the bigger problem is kids are entering in the portal and so they lose that scholarship where they just left and some of them aren't even getting a place to go to. So now they're stuck out there in no man's land and they have no place to go because uh, somebody promised them something, but then they can't get that. So I, I don't see how it changes because, you know, once the genie's out of the bottle, I don't see how you put oh, it back in now. No, so I, I yeah. think it's, I just hope that universities start doing a better job of developing better culture so that kids get there and don't want to leave. And, and I think I said this is that. So many schools are, rec are recruiting the high school kids and they're recruiting the portal and they're forgetting about the kids on campus. And I think you got to spend more time recruiting, getting to know them as people, um, and then they'll want to stay because they want to be a part of the program. How was it the day you got the call to go into the uh, Hall of Honor? Because that's the Hall of Fame for Duke, right? When you got that call. Um, you know, it was pretty special because Coach K called and told me uh, I wasn't able to get back for the game for the, the ceremony they had. But it, um, it's it's a it's a great honor to be part of um, the brotherhood, as we call it at Duke. Um, it's a special bond. Um, and to me, to be up there with some of the people I'm up there with is, is, is really special. But um, I just look at it. I'm just I was just honored to play with some of the guys I played with. That to me was um, they're brothers for life. I mean, Jay Billis, right. Tommy Amaker, Johnny Dawkins, Mark Allery, Danny Ferry, Quinn Snyder, Kevin Strickland, my roommate. You know, you know, we all are still in contact and we still talk. Um, and I know people give us a hard time about the brotherhood, but it really is. I think if I see someone from Duke, whether it's J.J. Redick or, you know, the first right. thing we all say, if you talk to coach, you know, and we ask about each other's families, um, it's it, – it's almost like Coach K created his own West Point with Duke basketball. Yeah. And, you know, you, you go in as a freshman and, you know, as a kid and you come out as a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in Illinois State, right, we have our alumni games and we do our alumni stuff. I see that. And so – I never I don't um, even have a shirt like that, but I see that. Yeah, I, I, I know a guy that can help you get one. Um, <laughs> and so – we that is the thing is I can talk to Redbirds that came before me and after me and have those conversations again that's that culture that I think these kids that are transferring is missing out on and so but yeah all right coach we hit that one 
How is it like to be a GM in the pros? How hard are those guys to deal with? I mean, you got people making a lot of money. <laughs> well, you know, the key is, I say it, the job's like a fireman. There's going to be a fire every day. You just know how big it is that you got to put out. It could be a brush fire. It could be a four or five alarm fire that you got to take care of. Um, when you have the job, it's one of the most difficult, high stressful jobs you could ever have. And sometimes you wish, why are you doing it? And when you don't have it, it's one of the jobs you wish you had again because okay. the pressure of doing the draft, trade deadline, winning games, it's it keeps you in the pressure cooker of, as a player. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the biggest thing is the bonds you make. I mean, it's is this the connections, whether it's Allen Iverson, Cal Corver, um, a lot of those players that we talked about, Darren Williams, I still talk to yeah. on their birthday, I sent them a text. Um, <laughs> but it was it was one of the most rewarding jobs I've ever done, but it's one of the ones that now quality of life is a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raising kids, right? Yeah. You got to have time. Uh, we've been trying to schedule this, and Coach has got baseball games and this yeah. activity and that activity, and we're actually recording through – John and I took vacation time from work so that we could get this recorded in. So yeah, um, and that's why I, I did it during the day because at nighttime it's, it's, it's you know it's either a soccer, I mean a field hockey practice or a baseball practice. So it's like right, right. they're all at well they're out of school, but they're you know it's easy to do it during the day than at night when they've got to be going places. Right, right, right. All right, so we went. You know, you're GM. What made you decide to get into radio? Because that was your next step, and then we'll wrap this up. You know, I was sitting here, and, I, and the morning radio host had been here for, geez, he just retired, I think he did 32 years, um, and he was, the, he was really good. And I just said, hey, would you guys want me to come in and guest host with you? Um, I could talk sports and basketball, whatever, and they go, yeah. And so it was something that it gave me an opportunity to once a week one day a week go in and and talk for four hours about sports yeah. um we, yeah. and i talk and i always try to give them a perspective from the front office whether it's baseball basketball right, high, right. because sometimes decisions aren't just made as quickly as people think or things behind the scenes like a gm may want to do something the owner said no we can't do it and the owner is the gm is taking the blame for it right. because that's yeah. what you did as a gm right um but it was tough because, you know, I, I would get up at 3.30 in the morning and be down there by 5 a.m. to go on air at 6. So that was, um, you know, it, it was a tough gig to do that. But it was only one day a week. But it was it was a lot of fun. But And, and it was tough at times because when you had to be critical of people that you were friends with, oh, it's Harry yeah. Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, you know, you, you sort of had to dance a little bit around, right, you know, taking right, shots. Right. Oh, and I had one more question before we end. Vandegaard had one, and – so how crazy he talked a little bit of about is draft day, yeah. right? Do you know exactly who's on your board? I assume you know who's on your board, but do you you have a pretty good idea who's going to take who, or is it a little bit of a crazy at times? You pretty much as you, by the time you get to draft day, like what we would do, we'd rank them one through sixty, and and that's how we would take them as we would take them as they, and as they come off the board then we would take the next guy that was there as, as we see them. And you get an idea by talking around who's going to take what. And so as the board starts going, that's when you start trying to trade up. You say, okay, 
that guy's going to be, let's move up and see if we can get this player now. So that's, and that's what I spent all my time on the phones trying to trade up or trade back or buy a pick or do that. Um, it was, that was to me the best day of the job is draft day. Really? Yeah. yeah. Vandegaard said it was crazy. And, you know, cause you would have, cause he was your scout. Yeah. And he was the one saying, Hey, I scouted this guy and I think he's worth this. And, and yeah. Oh yeah. And I'd be saying, Call so and so to see if you can find out what they're going to do with their pick if they want to sell it. And, you know, I had everybody call that team, call that team. And then, you know, and they's like, yeah, Dale, how much? I said, give them 300000 for that pick. And they said, okay, we'll take it. So, Out on Bird Fans Forever is the promotional highlight video from my senior year made by none other than Coach. <laughs> right? And so, yeah, I had to use my uh, TV experience from editing and shooting the camera. The, yep. the year before I got there. So I used my experience there. So thank you very much, Coach. Thanks for being on. Love you. Um, this is where we turn the stage over to you to close. No, I just want to say that I'm glad you did this because um, to me, I look at those four years really, I, I think back to them because it was a foundation for me. Coming out of college, I had worked one year, but people I met, whether it's you guys, the players, Ron Wellman, the coaches, uh, Larry Lyons, uh, you know, I, I still think about the lessons I learned there. And, um, and a lot of it I took with me on when I became assistant coach of the Pacers and other places along the way. Um, and I think back, I probably would say probably not a week goes by where I don't think back to my time at Illinois State. Um, I tell everybody, I said, I had the best job ever. I thought I was going to live that the rest of my life. They paid me like thirty, I think thirty-three thousand dollars. <laughs> they gave me a car, get, paid for my gas, paid for my insurance. My apartment was a two-bedroom, two-bath, five hundred bucks a month. I said I didn't need anything. They had a bar named Stans that I went to my buddy Butch owned. I said I was set for life. I, I could have lived there the rest of my life, but no, it was, it was the greatest experience ever um, for someone right out of college. Yep, and thank you for being my coach, man. It, Never can repay you enough. You guys, what you guys did for us was awesome and love it. So yeah. this is episode 40 with Coach Billy King, and we are signing up. Yes. Thank you.